0: Drug developers, investors, researchers, and corporate executives wrestle weekly to understand what is happening in commercial development of NASH medications. Join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Stephen Harrison, patient advocate Donna Crier, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, and forecasting and pricing guru Roger Green as they discuss the issues affecting the evolving NASH market from their own unique perspectives on the Surfing the NASH Tsunami podcast. Hi, this is Roger Green, executive producer and host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast, and welcome to our year-end review. Based on listener requests, we are releasing each of our eight year-end interviews as what we call an extrasode, a 20 to 25-minute piece covering a single topic. This extrasode is with Louise Campbell, who will discuss questions around whether the disease might be called NAFLD or maffled, given pressure from patient groups and medical societies in Latin South America and APAC to change the name. In the process, Stephen Harrison will talk about some of the process going forward on this naming issue right now. Louise presents, questioners include Stephen and me, and we begin. As part of our ongoing series of year-end conversations with folks who've been appearing regularly on the podcast this morning, uh, we now have Louise Campbell, who joined us back in week Six or something for the first time Became a formal surfer Somewhere in the late teens, I think episode 17 And has been with us every episode since Good morning, Louise, or good afternoon Depending upon where in the world you are
1: yeah, good afternoon from a very wet London, that's all I can say.
0: Well, the last time we spoke, it was a very snowy Pennsylvania, so it's that kind of week, and, and Stephen is with us as well. So, Louise, what would you uh, like to discuss with us today?
1: For me, it was the general movement of fatty liver throughout. Uh, it was a pleasure to be invited on to the programme to start with, and then just learning so much as uh, we've gone along. But the movement that we've seen in Nash, Naffold, um, throughout the year, particularly the uptake in discussions that you're hearing in non-communicable diseases, that greater recognition. You've got the healthy livers, healthy lives work now being done at a higher level that Donna was talking about being involved in. But I think the one thing that does now seem to stand out, it relates back to an episode Stephen did with Quentin Hanstie from Newcastle quite early in the podcast about the definition of NAFLD or muffled. For me, in the last couple of months and I, last week, Latin America and South America ratified MAFLD, so metabolic associated fatty liver, as their term of reference. Last month, either late October or early November, Asia Pacific came out with new guidelines detailing MAFLD not naffled. And it's that ongoing discussion, I suppose, that's taking place within obesity, diabetes, and patient forums that they find, whether hepatology feels correctly diagnostic, that maffled is more friendly, removing alcohol, where certain religions and parts of society don't actually acknowledge that word, and it's quite insultative. So that general move and movement that we're now seeing. I don't know, where does it take us if we say Arzald and Easel keep Mathild and Asia Pacific and Latin America, which are two of the biggest affected areas with the biggest mortality rates, feel that it's more appropriate for Mathild. That for me is what's coming from this year, apart from all of the really great medication changes that we've got, the disappointment from um, OCA being turned down by the FDA, but lots of other positive. But it's this movement of people and consensus amongst the populations affected that they would rather use the term mattled. So a little bit controversial between the bodies and what's going on, but I, I just wonder where that's going to take us in the next 12 months and how we're going to come to a resolution or are we going to settle for a better description in different areas or really redefine it again.
2: I want to brighten your day there in London today. and and give you a ray of hope and some sunshine coming from South Texas. We're just going to pipe that right over to you, warm you up a little bit, and get you excited about the holiday. <laughs> First of all, I'm excited by the fact that there is discussion in this field about the nomenclature for how we define this disease. Because at a minimum, what this does is it gets people talking about it, and it gets lots of different organizations coming to the table and having a debate. And with Healthy Debate, I believe we will be able to further refine and define exactly what we're talking about with this disease. There's there's no question that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is defining what the disease is not rather than what it fully is. But I think there are different perspectives of this in the vein of there's the idea that we need a name to kind of pull everything under one roof that's associated with the concept of dysregulated metabolism that leads to excess energy in the liver that results in lipotoxicity and its downstream negative impacts on stellate cells and collagen. That's what we're talking about. Now, the issue with just straight up changing it to maffled is there's not a real definition for MASH anymore or NASH. And furthermore, you bring in all of the perturbations of lipodystrophies and lysosomal acid lipase deficiency and all these things that are not necessarily linked to what I just described. So what, at a minimum, this controversy in nomenclature is doing is it's bringing everybody together to have those intense dialogues. And I can tell you specifically, this has really united the European and the American liver communities led by Phil Newsom, Vlad Ratziou, Quentin Ann C, Sven Frank on the European front, and then led by a consortium of five to seven of us from the U.S. front. We've already invited Vincent Wong, who's very prominent in the Eastern part of the world where Vincent in Hong Kong is really a thought leader for that area, bringing him to the table. the Jacob George, who's spearheaded this initiative from the beginning out of Australia, bringing him to the table as well. And many other organizations where we can begin to sit down and say, what are we really talking about here? how do we want to move it forward? But in addition to that, understanding the issues if we do change the name, and, and those issues are very pragmatic. We've spent a lot of time working with the FDA on defining NAFLD and NASH and actually have subpart H approvable endpoints, surrogate endpoints based off of a NASH diagnosis, NASH resolution. and. Furthermore, my patients are beginning to understand this terminology. We have to understand that if we change the name and we pivot to a different name just for the sake of maffled sounds better than naffled because we are defining it as metabolic rather than non-alcoholics. We're defining it as something it is rather than something it isn't. That could be confusing to patients. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. We had a couple of the folks on our last call that were instrumental in changing primary biliary cirrhosis to primary biliary cholangitis. This was a while back. It seems like it was further back than it really was. But you would think that would be easy because the acronym PBC didn't change. It stayed the same, just its definition changed. But there was a lot of controversy, discussion and debate around simply changing cirrhosis to cholangitis, but we didn't change the acronym. And I think there, it was a bit easier because we actually improved the definition in the sense that Most people with PBC don't have cirrhosis, but it is a cholangitic type process. Here, we're looking at something completely different that has lots of downstream ramifications. And while I'm not opposed to a name change at all, I just think we need to be very careful in how we go about doing it, not just throw a paper together. Ask a few people to be on it. Publish it in the Journal of Hepatology. And all of a sudden, what well, boom, there it is. We have a new name. I don't feel like we went through the right thought process to get where we are for that name. And look, at the end of the day, that may be what it is. But we need to understand that when you say that particular name, you're bringing in lots of other disease processes that are distinctly separate than the one I alluded to at the beginning.
1: Yeah, totally agree on that one. But I just wonder whether or not if we find more people, we take it more seriously and we diagnose and treat more people better because of the momentum that seems to be there for a name change, is that the desired outcome we want from any name change. is better recognition of the condition that cures more people. So
0: Stephen and Louise, it feels to me that we're venturing away from medicine and towards marketing when you ask that question. So let me give you my marketer answer. To the degree that the new name clarifies the situation, that's a great idea. But you wouldn't want to have to do this twice because every time you rebrand, there's tremendous cost and the potential for tremendous confusion on the way there. So there needs to be some real precision around what are we defining here so that we know the new definition is right. It's a harder thing to educate your audience than it is to chase your audience. But if you start with the premise that goes, just because non-alcoholic is not the right way to describe it, that doesn't mean that Maffled is, then I like the process that Stephen described. Because maffled will be based, certainly in the mind of patients, on some misconceptions of their own. And I don't want to swap misconceptions. I don't want to trade a stigma for a misconception. I want to make sure that we can clarify as we go along, particularly, as I say, given the extensive cost, as Stephen described in terms of with regulators, and then educating everybody in the whole community about what we are and aren't dealing with. So it feels to me and then I'll, when we get to my portion of this, we'll talk about a different side of the same coin. It, it feels to me that the idea that patients are this uncomfortable with the name in so much of the world is either a reason to explain it, to educate them on why they shouldn't be, or to understand what's wrong with the name. And in this case, I think it's the latter. But saying, okay, we need to move on from NAFLD isn't the same thing as saying, okay, let's make it NAFLD. And I think that was kind of your point. And from a communication point, looking downstream movies, I think where I wind up is, yeah, we, we, it needs to change, but let's get it right.
2: I would agree with that. I mean, we need to make patients feel comfortable with their disease and the way it's described and not alienate them because of a concern over alcohol or something else. We need to be more thoughtful about it and not just Jump on the first thing that gets brought up.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not necessarily advocating for muffled or arguing against naffled. I'm just listening to the conversations out there that you can see, and people have certainly tried to take a hold of it. And it's the first time I've really seen society of obesity and obese patient groups take on liver or be happy to recognize within that. So that was interesting to see the same cardiovascular. We're a long way. And I think Stephen's right. It's got to go through due processes. So what the name will be eventually, I don't know.
2: And that's what we're doing here. We're galvanizing various groups to come to the table and have a discussion. And if it didn't do anything more than that, then it's done a great thing in 2020. And Hopefully we'll continue that dialogue into twenty twenty one and achieve, you know, uh, a way forward that everybody's happy with, and at the same time we brought disease awareness to a whole lot of other people.
0: And see, and I agree with that. Now I want to go back to Louise's comment though, because thinking as a marketer or a communicator, I heard that a little differently also. One of the things we've talked about on the podcast from time to time has been the interconnectedness of the various conditions and the idea that treating obesity is really hard. But I know Louise has made the comment on several occasions that if you can explain to an obese patient what the nature of the problem with their liver is, you can get them to take it more seriously. So it speaks to the idea that how do we at the same time become precise about what this is and at the same time frame it in such a way that people with the concomitant conditions with obesity, diabetes, other metabolic issues, take what they need to do more seriously because their liver is involved. People can start drawing great pictures. You know, I mean, the, the pictures are great and they're self-explanatory. Now, the question is how to educate. I like the idea, Steve. I know where you are. If you galvanize the conversation and a lot more people on all sides of the table become more urgent about the issues, then Louise, I think that's a that's a real benefit wherever it comes out. And, and now, the question is simply to make sure that everybody is inside the tent. Lyndon Johnson, the American president, once said it was better to have everybody inside the tent urinating out and outside the tent urinating in. And I think this is one of those moments when having everybody inside the tent would be really important sure how to do that. But Stephen, it sounds like the process you're talking about is a good start. Are there any plans to bring the patient advocacy groups or are the patient advocacy groups at that discussion?
2: They are. And and her team are certainly involved. I don't know about Wayne Eskridge and Fatty Liver Foundation, but certainly there is representation there.
0: Is there any, going back to Louise's initial starting point, is there any representation from Asia or Latin America, or is this just being done right now in North America, Europe?
2: The conversations that are being had collectively do include representation from all corners of the globe.
0: Patients are just the docs. Right now, just the docs. Well, that that feels like a next step when you all get there. But I agree with you, Louise. I think it's an important and exciting issue and something that we have to get right. And it probably will mean, I suspect, over time, vacating Nash and Naffeld with all the complications Stephen's described that that's going to cause, if I had a guess. Stephen, you're a lot closer to it than I am. I'm just thinking of it from a practical communication point of view. If you had to bet, would you bet that Naffeld and Nash will be the nomenclature as far as the eye can see? Or would you bet that that will change at some point in time? Or is it too early to make that bet?
2: I think it'll eventually change. We we all want something that gets to what we're dealing with more specifically rather than just defining what something isn't. But the problem is we don't fully understand all the mechanistic components of the disease. So in the meantime, we want to keep it rather broad. Until we do have a better understanding, and I think that understanding will come with all the omics work that's being done, whether it's proteomics, lipidomics, all the other you know transcriptomics, because there there will be different nuances to this. We certainly don't want to alienate the lipodystrophies, the you know the lysosomal acid lipase deficiencies, the drug-induced fatty livers. You know, and remember, RISE syndrome causes fatty liver. Well, amiodarone hepatotoxic toxicity, methotrexate, right? But those aren't metabolically driven necessarily. Those are drugs that work through or inhibit pathways that ultimately result in the accumulation of fat. It's not necessarily macrophysicular. Rice syndrome is microvesicular fat, right? Which is a totally different animal. It's not even linked to metabolic disease. So I just think we need to take a deep breath, step back, look at this as yes, we have thrown up the red flag that there is a need for a better evaluation, a thorough evaluation of what we're calling this metabolic liver disease. But I think we, we need to make sure we do a thorough enough analysis that we, we realize all the blind spots and that we don't just rush to a name change. And when that's exactly what happened here. And I can't reiterate that enough. It was one guy calling a couple people together, cobbling a paper together and literally overnight submitted it, published it, and now everybody's in this big banter about MAFLD versus naffled. And let's look at it for what it is. It brought awareness to an issue and it's (laughs) synergized lots of different liver disease groups around the world to come together and really take a hard look at this. And I think that's exactly the democratic process that needs to be applied in the situation.
1: It's funny, when you, when you were talking there, the, the phrase that you take a, a sledgehammer to crack a nut came to mind because sometimes it can take years to get doors to open because nobody's brave enough to use that sledgehammer. So whether or not we like it, or not, when he took that sledgehammer and published that piece, it certainly got people talking, maybe years ahead of when it would have happened. So it might not have been done in the right way, but if we get the right outcomes eventually, because those discussions are taking place and it improves patient access, understanding, knowledge, and physicians, then maybe the sledgehammer was the best approach in hindsight.
2: that's a great analogy,
0: Luis. I'd like to leave that as the closing comment on this portion of the discussion, I think it's spot on. I'm mindful of the idea that sometimes it's better to ask for um, forgiveness later than permission in advance. And the
2: only place that doesn't work real well, Roger, is in the military.
0: There are a few other places it doesn't work real well. That certainly would be one of them. Yeah, but not my experience. I can't comment. In this case, we'll see how it works out. But I think Louise is right. Shaking up the conversation probably wasn't a bad thing. This ends our extra episode with Louise Campbell. If you find this extra episode concept valuable, please let us know. And with that, enjoy your vacation and stay safe. See you in 2021 on the podcast.